Anchornauts, it's Saturday night, and if you are in the south, send some prayers for our friends in Florida. That is a wild hurricane coming there. And I have a hurricane take, but it's not what you think. Stick around for that. It is very funny. As well, I want to chat about why I think it's so funny that movie executives are blaming Rotten Tomatoes for the lack of people attending movies. I saw that in the New York Times today. So funny. As well... Check stops and why I think they're so important and why I'm thankful for them. That'll be a quick hit. But last and certainly not least, we need to talk about GoFundMe etiquette. It's happening all over. GoFundMe for this, GoFundMe for that, GoFund yourself, whatever it needs to be. We need to chat about it. We're going to use some examples and then I want your feedback. That's tonight's show. Let's, let's get into it. Let's start off talking about Rotten Tomatoes. Now, if you're not familiar with Rotten Tomatoes, I'm not talking about the produce that went bad in your fridge. I'm talking about the site that kind of curates movie reviews. So if you're a movie reviewer in People Magazine or in Wisconsin or in Toronto, whatever, you rate your movie. They, they kind of put all the reviews together and decide if the movie is fresh or rotten, right? Because if all the critics say, hey, this movie is great then there's more of a chance that I'm going to go to it. And I actually like the, the app Flickster as well because while critics, you know, they've got a good idea of what movies are good and what movies are bad, sometimes I want to see a bad movie. And that's why I like Flickster because Flickster has and does the same thing for audience reviews. So if the audience likes it, they, you know, they say I liked it or didn't like it. So my, my example for that is Dumb and Dumber. When the second one came out and not Dumb and Dumber-er, but I love the original Dumb and Dumber. So when Jim Carrey was in the second one, I was pumped on it, right? And of course the critics hate it because it's not for them. It's, it's for me. It's for us. But when I went on Flickster and saw that the audience hated it too, then I was like, oh, shoot. They missed. People aren't going to enjoy this movie. And that's too bad. But getting back to Rotten Tomatoes. So Rotten Tomatoes has been around for a while now. And I was reading the New York Times today, which makes me sound super pretentious, and that's not actually true. I was on Twitter. The article came up. That's, that's all it was. Anyway, the New York Times did an article that has Hollywood executives blaming Rotten Tomatoes for the lack of moviegoers over the past little while, right? Because I mean, movie sales in, in the theaters have been going down and down and down because, well, they're saying Rotten Tomatoes. The critics are saying our movies suck. And people aren't going to see them. Well, guess what, guys? Your movies suck, right? Your movies have been gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. And why is that? Because all you're trying to do is rake us for money, right? Oh, I don't want to do this movie because it cost me $180 million and I'm only going to get back maybe $50 million from that. But if I can invest my time in a two- or three-part trilogy... Then I can make way more money, and that's amazing, right? Because, I mean, it worked a few times. It worked for Lord of the Rings. Uh, it started to work for Transformers. I guess Transformers does really well overseas. But for the most part, we're sitting here going, Michael Bay, why are you doing Ninja Turtles? We don't want to see this because it looks terrible because you ruined the Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, no, we can do it this way and save money, whatever. Movie producers, I know you all listen to this show regularly, so I need you to listen up. You guys are making terrible movies, and we, the audience and the public, are smarter than ever. We have a tool called the Internet. Hey, you've heard of it. We have that tool, and we will continue to use that tool to tell our friends and our neighbors and perfect strangers whether or not your movies suck and whether or not they should go to them and where they should spend their money. So 
Here's my, here's my challenge to you, movie producers. Make better movies. Yeah, it's simple. Make better movies. I'd much rather watch a Christopher Nolan movie that makes you, yeah, you know, a few million dollars less because it's a good movie than the next, you know, trilogy or the Transformers 17 that comes out. That's my challenge. I know it's probably futile, but, well, here's a, here's, here's a scoop. I would rather stay home and vet all these movies and only watch the good ones from the comfort of my own home than pay you $15 for great popcorn and a subpar experience. I was driving home from the work slash family barbecue tonight, and traffic was backed up where it not where it's usually not. There was probably an accident. Then I turn around the corner, there's like seven cop cars, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a terrible, terrible car accident. And as we get closer and closer and closer, I realize, oh, there is no car accident. They're funneling us into one lane. There's actually a check stop, and for the first time in my life. Maybe not the first time in my life, but I realized in that moment that I'm really thankful for the check stops, right? Like you inconvenienced me, police officers, but you made the road safer. And up here in Saskatchewan, uh, it's the middle of Canada for you American listeners, we actually have a terrible problem with drinking and driving. So I want to say, hey, thank you, uh, police officers, for making the road safer. And you know what? They did. There was like two cars that were getting towed immediately right then and there because there's idiots driving drunk. So don't drive drunk. Hey, go cops, go. And speaking of, well, not cops, but people with guns, let's get into this hurricane take. As everyone knows, this hurricane Irma, this once in a 500-year hurricane, is headed toward uh, Florida tonight. It's going to land at about 2 a.m., I think. It's going to land mainland. And it's heading toward the west of Florida. It's, it's turned a little bit. But this thing is huge. It is a massive hurricane. And people are prepared and expecting the worst. And why wouldn't you? It's the first thing that's happened. Or it's, it's a once-in-a-500-year hurricane. You just had a terrible one uh, go through Houston. Like it's, it's bad news down there. But in the middle of all this bad news, I found one story that I think we can all laugh at in a way that is just it's actually quite sad. So someone was encouraging people to shoot their guns into the hurricane. You heard that right. There was, I don't know if it was an organization or if it was just a person and it, it kind of caught wind. But people said, hey, if you shoot your guns in the hurricane, you can help fight against the hurricane. Yeah, I'm actually rethinking as I'm saying these words out loud. This actually happened. And that's fine, right? People say weird things and they, there's, there's strange stuff that's said all the time. But what kind of caught me off guard was there was real sheriff's department down in florida telling people hey it's a bad idea to shoot your guns at a hurricane they actually law enforcement sent out messages that said this is not a good idea you shouldn't be doing this and here's why to which i have to ask is this really the world we live in where you can tell someone to shoot their gun at the hurricane and it might change some things and I have to have a cop and a police department say, you know what, that's actually a bad idea. But like, what happened to common sense? If you're, if you're listening to this right now or you know someone right now that bought into that lie of, hey, you should shoot your gun at a hurricane. I need them and I need you and I beg of you. I need you to call into the show ASAP because I got to talk to someone. Because I've heard some of the wildest stories this past week about the Tinder Pooh story and now I hear this. And I'm starting to, I'm starting to lose hope in common sense and in just regular humanity. And I need someone, I need someone to just, to help me out here because I'm starting to think that, that we're losing it, that we're all, we're all just crazy.
question of the day revolves around GoFundMe. Now, you're all familiar with GoFundMe where you can put up a cause, whether it's real or not real, and say, hey, I need you, Internet, to help fund my problem. So a few days ago, you heard about the guy who needed a GoFundMe. He's a student. He needed to fix his window. And if you were listening to the internet a few, I'd say like six months ago, there was a woman who just wanted money. She didn't want to work. She just wanted money. So she started a GoFundMe and said, hey, I need your help because I want to live like the one percenter lifestyle and I want you guys to fund it. And there's no, there's no problem of me asking for this. I'm, I'm hustling and I just think that I'm entitled to this and please help me out, help my cause. And at the time, she was asking for like $10 million or something like that to live her dreams and just kind of wrote a weird sap story. And she had like $700 given to her. Yes, someone actually gave to the cause, which is crazy, right? Like, does money grow on trees? Is there a, is there a money tree somewhere that I don't know? Because that is insane. That is absolutely bonkers. And I don't want to talk about that anymore. I actually want to have a real discussion because my question of the day is, what constitutes a good GoFundMe campaign from the clearly bad ones? Because tonight, uh, there was a GoFundMe campaign. There's a popular restaurant slash kind of venue here in, in my city called uh, the Artful Dodger. And they want to move to Scar Street, uh, which is like a popular, you know, imagine like a main street in a, in a town. They want to move the whole venue to Scar Street. It'd be great for the city. But they want a GoFundMe campaign, right? And so it's like, do I give money to a business that couldn't make it work over there because I want them over here or just, you know, just let someone else start up the same thing over there? Like where, where do we draw the line with what we give money to do? Like I love sap stories or sob stories. I will give money to people that are out on their luck where it's something tragic has taken place. And you know, like uh hurricane in, in Houston and, and, and Irma here, like they need they need help, and that's a great place to give our money. But what constitutes a GoFundMe campaign in your eyes that you would say, you know what, that's, that's good enough for me to give to? Because I will say this. Sometimes there are really, really funny causes we can give to. If, you're, if you've ever heard of the game, the card game, what's it called? Cards Against Humanity, right? Every year in Black Friday, they have a Black Friday sale, and usually it's, like, it's just crazy, right? One year they said, hey, just give us money. That's our sale. If you give us twenty dollars, we're actually going to keep it and just you know give it to ourselves. And they made over like ten thousand dollars because people thought that was funny. And then the year after, they wanted to build a money pit, so they said, "Hey, what we're going to do is we're actually going to give all the money that you donate to us on this day, and we're going to pay for these what do they call like big cats that that they dig holes. We're going to pay for two of them to dig what we call the money pit, and we're just going to." pay them to keep digging until the money's all gone and then we'll have this big pit and we'll have a store that says money pit. And they were given, again, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. So I found myself drawn between really funny and really heartfelt GoFundMe's, but I don't, I don't know how to navigate this. So I'm putting the question out to you. What constitutes a GoFundMe campaign that you think is worth investing in? Let me know. I'll put you on the show. That's tonight's show. Thank you for listening. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here. And for that, I'm thankful. This is, I changed my name, actually. You're probably wondering this. It used to be Sir Greg Moore, which is my handle I use for anything because I have this big dream where I want to be knighted, which apparently is impossible because I'm not British, but there's always hope, right? So I changed it to the dipstick, which is my blog that I have, the dipstick.ca, which I don't really touch because I prefer this platform and video platforms better than this. So if you're wondering why I I call it the dipstick is because, well, a dipstick, what does it do? 
it measures things, right? It gives you kind of the temperature of what's going on. And I thought, well, that's a really, really thoughtful way of saying that you have a, you comment on things, Greg. But it's also a way of saying, hey, this guy can be an idiot sometimes and tell really funny, weird, and unfortunate things. And so I thought, you know what? That's perfect, the dipstick. I'm still so Greg Moore, but you're listening to the dipstick. That's all for me. Hopefully see you tomorrow. It's been fun. Uh, happy Sundays. Good night, everyone.